0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: I want to offer my very special thanks to Jan Weil with Living Word Ministries who hosted our show along with, of course, Jackie, our co-host, these past few weeks while I was in Israel. As a new teacher with us, I hope you found Jan as engaging in God's word and understanding of it as I did when I re-listened to those messages. Well, now we're back from Israel and ready to discuss something prophetically important that's happened recently in Israel. On September 15th, Jews and Christians worldwide stood in awe as they watched five cows being unloaded at the cargo bay at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. You think, what's the big deal about five cows? Well, these weren't just any cows. These were five purebred red heifers imported from Texas, of all places. A modest ceremony took place, speeches were given, incredible people were thanked for how they had developed these red heifers, and the hearts and the souls of people were changed as they talked about the prophetic opportunities that is coming to fruition with these purebred red heifers. Well, the importance of these heifers can be found in scripture in Numbers 19, and we'll talk about that today. But the prophetic significance of these heifers goes way beyond what Numbers 19 talks about. They're an important piece of prophecy that must be fulfilled before Jesus Christ returns to establish His kingdom on earth. I'm Debbie Blank, so excited today to share with you the significance of these unique animals and what it says about the return of Jesus
0: Christ. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. After thousands of years, God, in His perfect timing, has brought essential end times prophecy pieces together in our own recent history. With the rebirth of Israel in 1948 and the addition of its capital Jerusalem in 1967, the Temple Institute in Israel has prepared literally everything it needs to build the prophesied third temple as soon as God makes the site available. But not one thing they have ready and waiting for the temple when it's built can be used without the purifying of the priests first. And the purification of the priests can't be done without the ashes of the extremely rare, ritually perfect red heifer. Up until now, the search for that perfect red heifer has come up short. Will one of these five red heifers shipped to Israel from the U.S. be one And if so, how much closer are we to the coming of Jesus Christ for his church?
1: Jackie, we've been to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. It's so fascinating to see how they have developed all the utensils, the articles for the temple, the clothing for the priests, the instruments, the musical instruments. Everything is ready for the new temple to be built. And they're ready to go in and offer sacrifices in that temple because the priests who've been determined who they are through DNA have been practicing these rituals in a place just outside of Jericho, about 30 minutes away from Jerusalem so that they are ready. But as you say, they cannot perform the rituals on the Temple Mount until number one, the temple is built, which is impossible. And number two, the priests are purified as well as I believe the area of the temple, because those places have been defiled by death. And when something is defiled by death, it needs to be purified before it can be used. So we are right there at the opportunity after 2,000 years of having purebred red heifers. For decades, a rancher from Texas, he started a group called Bonnet Israel, and he has been looking for purebred red heifers. He puts ads in magazines, rancher magazines here in the United States. They came across these five animals within the last little over a year. You know why they can be pure? This is very unique because in the United States, the government requires every animal, at least every calf, to be marked on their ear with a tag. Well, once they're marked, they're imperfect, so they can't be used as a purebred red heifer. But because of COVID, they weren't marked. The person who marks them, that tags them, was not coming out to the ranch. So these particular animals were not tagged. That was over a year ago because they're over a year old right now. And they're still perfect, according to the direction of the rabbis. Rabbis flew to Texas and they took magnifying glasses and searched every single inch of each one of those animals and didn't find one imperfection in those animals, including the fact that they didn't have their ears tagged. In Israel, they don't need to have their ears tagged. They don't need to in other countries, but Israel has not been able to develop a purebred red heifer. Now they have five living there, waiting to see what happens over the next year.
0: That is so amazing and how God can use every circumstance that happens, including COVID, for the advancement of his purposes. I'm wondering though, How is it that this Texas rancher is so interested as a Christian in helping the Jews and the Temple Institute come up with these red heifers?
1: Well, he told the rabbis, he said, I know what the Bible says, and I know the Bible talks about purebred red heifers, and it's important to Israel. I want to help Israel. So he contacted the Temple Institute, and they've been working together for quite some time now in order to try and develop these calves. It's acceptable in Jewish tradition to allow purebred red heifers to not be born in Israel or even raised in Israel. The important thing is, is that by the time they're sacrificed at two years and one day of age, that they are still perfect. Now, there's been lots of red heifers that have been deemed perfect when they were born or early on, but over the two years and one day that it takes for them to be sacrificed, They've developed impurities or imperfections. In 2001, they had a calf named Melody. Everybody expected her to not only stay perfect, but be able to be transported to Israel. But by the time the two years rolled around, she wasn't perfect anymore. And there have been other situations like this too. So just imagine, it's been 2,000 years since they've had a red heifer. 2,000 years since they've had the ashes to cleanse the temple and the priests. And now they potentially have one. They can't build the temple. They can't purify the priests without it. Is God's timing perfect or what? Because that does not mean that there is going to be a temple built in the near future. It simply means that they will now have the ashes ready for that temple to be built. It could be a decade. It could be 100 years because the ashes don't go bad. Once they're mixed with water, they can be used for hundreds of years. So we don't know the timing of all this, but it's pretty exciting.
0: It's just one step closer. There are five right now. If only one of the five makes it to that point, then it would be slaughtered and used with fire and burning it in ashes and putting it in the water, like you said, so that it could purify the priests so that when it's time... When the temple is ready, they can actually go ahead and do that. But I've heard people ask, well, now, if there's not a temple, how do they purify themselves before that so that they can go into the temple when it's built? There's a provision for the sacrifice to be made outside of the temple on the Mount of Olives, I believe. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. And as a matter of fact, Bonet Israel, this Christian man from Texas who developed this organization, they have purchased land on the Mount of Olives. It needs to be right across from the temple so that you could, quote, see the temple, even though there isn't one there right now. They are ready at the moment that a calf is deemed perfect at the right timing the priest will be ready to sacrifice it. And the priests don't have to be perfect to sacrifice the animal, because they can then have themselves cleansed after the ashes are available. The actual sacrifice doesn't call for the priest to have been made clean before the sacrifice, just that it takes place at a certain time. So let's now open our Bibles to Numbers 19, where we can read about this red heifer. Much of what we are talking about today comes from the Bible. Much of it has to do with tradition in the Jewish tradition. So we'll explain what's biblical and what's not. In Numbers 19, 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel that they bring you an unblemished red heifer in which no defect and on which a yoke has not been placed. So that makes it very clear. It's a perfect purebred red heifer because that's what it's called because it has no defect that makes it unblemished and a yoke cannot be placed on it if you know anything about cows back in the early days when this happened yokes were put on them and they were used to plow the fields or to carry a cart or something you cannot yoke them and also tradition has it that they can't have been impregnated it goes on and says in verse three and you shall give it to Eleazar the priest, that was the high priest at the time, and it shall be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. That's on the Mount of Olives, which is outside the Temple Mount, where they can still see the temple specific location. It says in verse four, now Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood toward the tent of the meeting seven times. Now, this has to do with the back in the days when they had the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, which they don't right now. So the high priest would simply sprinkle the blood towards the area of the temple. And then in verse five, it says, and the heifer shall be burned in his sight. It's hide in its flesh and its blood with its refuge shall be burned. Now, moving down to verse nine, it tells us that a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place. And the congregation of the sons of Israel shall keep it as water to remove impurity. It is purification for sins. That's where we have the meaning and the purpose of the ashes of the red heifer. They are mixed with water and they purify people whenever they come in contact with a dead body. Anything dead, they become unpure. So they have to be purified, specifically the priests, in order to have the temple. People are to be purified also, but it's the priests who have that necessity in order for that temple service to start.
0: I heard an interview with a gentleman from the Temple Mount Institute talking about that person that needed to be clean in order to Start that up. And they said, How do you get someone who is clean at this point in history? They said, It's assumed that everyone in Israel has either been born in a hospital, entered a hospital, been to a cemetery, any of those things, direct or indirect contact, would make you ritually impure. So they said, we, We've been planning for this. It's got to be someone who is 13 years old at least, has never been in a hospital or a cemetery, but if they were born at home, and they have been intentionally kept away from those things, which it sounds like they've been planning this, they're ready to uh, have somebody for that procedure.
1: It's going to be interesting because the Mount of Olives now is just one big graveyard. So to get to that particular place has to be a place set aside that isn't near any of the graves that are on the Mount of Olives or in front of the Temple Mount. So it'll be interesting to see how they come up with that person, but they will. Because God says that a temple will be built and therefore it has to be purified and the priests have to be purified. It goes on in verse 10 of Numbers 19 to say, and the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening and it shall be a perpetual statute to the sons of Israel. So in order for them to offer sacrifices on the temple mount, it's perpetual. They have to have a red heifer. According to tradition, there have been nine red heifers throughout the history of Israel, starting with Moses here as we're reading in Numbers 19. The 10th red heifer is going to be the last. At least that's what they believe traditionally. Let me read to you a statement that was made by one of their prominent rabbis. His name was Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon and his followers are called the Maimonites. He was the most renowned medieval Jewish scholar who wrote an explanation in the mitzvah, which is their Jewish writings. It's not the Bible, but it's their beliefs. And he says, quote, the 10th red heifer will be accomplished by the king, the Messiah. May he be revealed speedily. Amen. May it be God's will, end of quote. So the Jews believe that when this red heifer is found, that the Messiah will be revealed. And he may well be the one who kills the red heifer in order to purify everyone else and the Temple Mount. According to our understanding, Scripture would go a little differently. But the point is that these staunch Jewish believers think that the Messiah is going to come when the red heifer is available for sacrifice.
0: So you can see why Jews would be extremely excited by this news if they're following the traditions and they understand this. It's pretty exciting to Christians because it goes along with a lot of what we believe and how we understand prophetic scripture. So I'm just wondering, why is it that Christians should care about this and in what way? Because we don't believe that they need to have blood sacrifices anymore. Christ took care of that. But... There's a reason that we need to be interested. I'm
1: glad you said that because the Jews still believe the Old Testament sacrifices because they do not understand that Jesus as their Messiah came to die for their sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He took care of the sacrifice of Passover. He was our Passover lamb, we're told in Corinthians. He took care of the sacrifice of Yom Kippur, where the lamb's blood was shed for the remission of sins for the people. Jesus is the one who fulfills all of their prophecies, but they don't see that. So they're still following the old covenant, the Old Testament rituals, which includes sacrificing animals. We do believe that Jesus has fulfilled the sacrifices, but they don't. So they continue to follow orthodoxly the Old Testament rules for the building of the temple, for the establishment of all the rituals and the priests and everything that needs to happen. That's why the Temple Institute has all of those articles already made because they believe that the Messiah will come at this point because many of them believe this red heifer will usher in the messianic era. They are still looking for their Messiah to come. We're looking for our Messiah, Jesus Christ to return. We're looking for the same person, but they don't see it that way. They're looking for their Messiah's first coming. We're looking for our Messiah's second coming. Jesus is the answer to both of those. So it's an interesting time for believing Jews and for religious Jews. Most Jews in Israel are secular. So the red heifer just went over their head. They didn't even understand any significance of that because they didn't understand the Bible and they don't know their traditions. But going back to the Bible in Numbers 19, it gives us a little further information. It tells us, starting in verse 16, anyone who is in an open field who touches one who has been slain with the sword of someone who's died naturally or human bone or grave shall be unclean for seven days. So there we go. If someone touches anything dead, they're unclean. Then for the unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the burnt purification from sin and flowing water shall be added to them in a vessel. And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent and on the furnishings and on the persons who were there and on the one who touched the bone or the one slain or the one dying naturally or the grave. There it says it needs to sprinkle the tabernacle, which in our times would be the temple as well as the unclean person. Verse 19, then the clean person shall sprinkle on the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, he shall purify him from uncleanliness and he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean by evening. Well, I read you that because this is very specific as to what they're supposed to do with these ashes. It tells us in verse 21, it's a perpetual statute for them. They've said that twice in here. And yet for 2000 years, Jews haven't been able to do it. This is important for the religious Jews, but it's important for us. We know that Jesus has fulfilled all the sacrifices, but it's important for us from the prophetic significance that we're going to read about over in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 is talking about the end times, the time of the Antichrist, the beginning of the tribulation period. It says, starting in verse 27, And he shall make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. And on the wing of abomination will come one who makes desolate, even until the complete desolation, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, that's a lot of words. So let me interpret it for you. It says he, the Antichrist, is going to make a firm covenant, a forced covenant, a diplomacy covenant, but one that's forced on Israel. For seven years, obviously, because the sacrifices are going to end in the middle of the seven years, that means that they're going to have sacrifices the first part of the seven years of this agreement that the Antichrist makes with the Jews, but then it's going to be stopped. Well, for the Jews to have sacrifices, they must have a temple and the sacrifices must be done right outside in the court of the Gentiles of the Jews on their temple mount. So there's very specific rules as to where this temple is going to be built and to where the sacrifices take place. Let me go back to say right now on the spot where they believe the temple once was the first temple and the second temple, there's a Muslim mosque called the Dome of the Rock. There's also another mosque on the Temple Mount called the Al-Aqsa Mosque, but it's further south. It could stay there, but the one on the Dome of the Rock would have to be replaced with the Jewish temple. There is a possibility that there's another place a little bit further north called the Dome of the Spirits, where the temple may have originally stood. And if that's the case, then the temple could be built there. But anyway, the Lord's going to have to do some really miraculous things to have the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque disappear one way or another, or have someone give authority for the Jews to build their temple up on the Temple Mount near the Dome of the Spirits or any place else. It's impossible. The Muslims aren't even allowing Jews all the time to go up to the temple mount, let alone to have that mount become a place where their new temple is built. So we've got a lot of things that have to happen before the temple could ever be built. But before that could even happen, you have to have the ashes of the red heifer.
0: But what's interesting is we have seen the impossible happen. People didn't think that Israel could ever be reborn And yet it was, in our lifetimes, or at least people who are a little bit older than us. They also thought it would be impossible to have Jerusalem back as the capital. And yet we saw that happen. We didn't think it was possible to recreate all of these temple services and sacrifices, the utensils for those things, to even come up with who the priests would be. How could you come up with who the priests would be? Because all the genealogies were destroyed when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D., And yet, because of DNA, they've been able to come up with the people who would be in the priestly families. And so they've been able to create the garments and have rehearsals for these priests so that they know what to do when the time comes. They're ready because they have faith that because God did the impossible, he can still do the impossible. So who knows what's going to happen on the Temple Mount. We just know from prophecy, from God's word, that it's going to happen.
1: Amen to that, because God's promises are sure, and they will happen. And he is in the business of doing the impossible. As you've said, he's already done it. So as we look at Revelation chapter 11, verse two, we can see that during the tribulation period, the temple will be built a new one, the third temple from Jewish tradition. It has to be built on the exact site of the first two temples, which is the temple mount where the dome of the rock is. This passage in Revelation 11 starts in verse 1 when it says, And there was given to me a measuring rod, like a staff. Someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it, and leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Well, there's a lot to be discussed there, but our point of reading that passage is that John's measuring the temple during the tribulation period, which means there's a temple on the temple mount during the tribulation period. It has to happen.
0: A physical temple that can be measured.
1: Absolutely. I love how God is so intent on giving us this information so we can visualize that temple there. That's why the Third Temple Institute is in existence is to prepare for that occurrence. Well, this has been exciting. Think of the imagery of all this with the red heifer. It's a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. The Lord was without blemish, just as the red heifer is to be without blemish. The red heifer was sacrificed outside the camp, according to what we read today, and Jesus was crucified outside the city. Just as the ashes of the red heifer cleanse people from the contamination of death, so Jesus' sacrifice saves us from the penalty and the corruption and the sin of death. It is so exciting to see throughout scripture, Old Testament prophecies that prove what Jesus was going to do for his people and what Jesus did for his people.
0: Debbie, what I'm seeing here are like three different aspects to what's going on with the red heifers. I see some enemies, people who are against having this happen, probably the secular Jews, Who don't want to cause trouble with the muslims and the muslims who think okay here come the jews trying to take over the temple mount again and now we have another step toward that so there's that aspect there's also the aspect of christians thinking why are we excited about a temple that's going to be the antichrist temple when actually christians are excited about the timing that we get to see god fulfilling prophecy before our eyes and that means our redemption is near the the rapture is very very near and then The opportunity to witness Jews to Jews, Christians to Jews, Christians to other Christians, both to unbelievers. I just see in the comment sections of some of these videos a lot of witnessing and a lot of Scripture being brought up.
1: That's so exciting. Many, many people have sent me links to the red heifers because they knew that there was a significance there, but they weren't quite sure what it was. And that excited them that we'd be looking at another prophecy potentially being fulfilled in our lifetimes. There's so many that have already been fulfilled, as you mentioned, even the establishment of Israel That. It's not unusual to keep seeing these. You talk about enemies of Israel and how they're coming out against this. Hamas has blatantly said that Israel is trying to take over the Temple Mount now. And this is just another way that they're going to do it. So they're trying to stir up their supporters to go against Israel to make sure that there's no way that Israel can ever develop a temple up on that Temple Mount. And then you talk about Christians who are saying, wait a minute, you know, why are we excited about this? They think it's sacrilegious because we're excited that an animal is going to be sacrificed in order to cleanse people that isn't something we believe in. Well, we have to understand the Jews do believe in it. And so we're not saying that we believe in it. We're saying that these fulfill Old Testament prophecies and New Testament prophecies. That's what excites us, not the practice of sacrificing animals or the practices that the Jews require according to their customs. But we're excited to see the prophecies fulfilled. What a time it is. I can't tell you how exciting each and every day is. Instead of looking at the negatives that are going on in the world, what a blessing for us to look at what God is doing in the midst of this crazy world in which we live. He's preparing all of the pieces of the puzzle that need to work together just for his return. There must be a temple on the Temple Mount before he returns. And in order for that to happen, it must be cleansed. And the people who offer the sacrifices must be cleansed. All those things have to happen before Jesus Christ returns. So we have this exciting time waiting now to be happened. We need to pray because it's gonna take another year to see if these animals stay perfect so that God can use them If it doesn't happen, then we know that it's not God's timing and the red heifer will come about. By the way, we don't know when the temple is going to be built on the Temple Mount. We don't know if it'll be before the tribulation starts, first quarter of the tribulation. We do know that it can be built within three months because everything's ready for it. So we could have the ashes of the red heifer be available now, or they could be available in 20 years, but we could be raptured now because there's timing between the things God says will happen and between when they do happen. It's exciting for me to see all of this and to see how God's hand's been in it because of COVID by the buying of land on the Mount of Olives so that they have the right place to sacrifice these animals for the fact that there's five animals, not just one. So there's a good chance that there will be one ready. So I love looking at these prophetic occurrences, seeing them happen in our lifetimes. And while we're not there yet, we're close. And if these red heifers don't work, I trust that God's got the guys in Texas working to get other ones that will we can trust God and know that right now our goal is to keep watching and waiting for our redemption draws near.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540 Omaha, Nebraska 68154 or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.